Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, and I am extremely excited to be telling you about this interview today because this interview kicks off the new series, Love Your Work. And this is a series of interviews where I have a chat with a range of different people who have made significant changes in their professional life. You know, they've gone a big leap, I guess, from what they were doing to what they're doing now, sometimes more than once. And I wanted to talk with them to share their story with you because I know that sometimes when you're perhaps thinking about making a change in your professional life, there can be a lot of stories that come up about how it's too hard or you can't do it or what you're wanting to do is too different from what you're doing now. And so I know by sharing other people's stories, hopefully that's going to give you a little bit of insight and inspiration about how you can approach it and even just make a start towards whatever that near future is going to look like for you. So here is the interview with Belinda. Hello, Belinda. Hi, Chandra. How are you going? I'm really great, thank you. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well and I'm genuinely very excited to be talking with you because we haven't spoken for so long and I am really curious to find out more about your story, the bits that I know are really great, but I'm excited about what else there is. So I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here with you. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it too, because it's been quite a journey over the past few years. So it'll be fun to share a bit with you. Yeah. And I think that that's something that probably we don't do enough is to reflect back on where we came from, that we're always in the moment of whatever today's challenges or struggles or focus points are. And actually pausing to look back and go, okay, well, X number of years ago, where was I and how far have I come and what that journey was like? And so that's what I'm really excited about with the conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's it's good to stop and look back sometimes because it is a pretty busy life. So to actually appreciate where I was five or 10 even years ago yeah, is really good to do occasionally. Awesome. So if we do kind of get a bit of a background for, you know, where you have come from, knowing that we're looking at this through the context of your professional life, knowing that also there is just one you and there are different parts of your life, but, you know, the through the lens of your professional life, what did you used to do? I guess when you, if you look at um, your last major profession or what, what were you doing? Yeah, so I studied veterinary science and so that was something that I decided when I was a 10-year-old girl and living on a farm, a sheep farm, and I just had a huge love of animals and used to ride horses and we had sheep on our property and it was just a very intuitive decision that that's what I was going to do with my life. So basically from the age of 10, I did what it took to get the marks so that therefore I could go to uni. To me, it was never never a concern or an option. It was just that's what I wanted to do. So I was very, you know, from a young age, I guess I was very goal driven. And so off I went to uni, absolutely loved it, really enjoyed it. 
and then graduated from vet school and then headed off into large animal vet practice, which basically meant dairy cows and horses and sheep and then some small animals as well. So I actually graduated from vet school 20 years ago this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is which is also when you say talking about looking back, it's really good because we're starting to get together as a as a year group and we're all a lot of us have changed careers and so it's really interesting to see the directions people have gone and then also to see the ones that are still being still in the veterinary industry so yeah. so basically worked as a vet for 15 years so really it's been the last 5 years that I've made a change from that career mm-hmm. wow and so a couple of things came up for me when you were sharing that story 10 years old and you mm. just went, yep, that's me. I want to be a vet and I'm going to do what it takes to get there. Is there anything that you, with reflection, can see that really influenced that? Like did you meet a vet or have a vet come to the property? Or Yeah, no, that's a good question. We we didn't actually ever have vets out to our farm very much. Dad, Dad did a wonderful job on the farm and we never – really needed vets to come and help us and part of that was that he was very good with the sheep and the lambing and so I would actually spend a lot of my time as a child helping him do those sort of things. So I was very involved with the animals from early on but really my friend Stephanie was 10. I remember her coming to school one day and saying, I'm going to be a vet and I thought, oh, that's that's a pretty cool idea, actually. Hadn't thought of that. And then the next day she came back to school and she said, no, can't do it, changed my mind. I couldn't handle putting animals down. And so I actually went away and thought about it and I thought through, well, what would it mean? How could I help? Would it upset me? But I guess with the perspective of being a, a farm kid, I actually thought, well, I, I can cope with that and it's part of life and death. And it didn't really phase me and it just planted the seed and really that was it. I just thought, well, it might not suit her, but that really suits me and um, and off I went from there. Awesome. Good on you, Steph. Yeah, I know Steph. Yeah. <laughs> what does Steph I end up becoming? She's, yeah, she's an artist, something quite okay. creative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not a vet at Great. all. <laughs> Good that she had started that process of inquiry early and followed her instincts around that. <laughs> she did, yeah. Yeah, she sure did. <laughs> yeah. And so then you're in veterinary practice doing that and everything's going along. Then what happened? Yeah, look, I actually love being a vet and I've not left the career because there was any problems with mm-hmm. it at all, actually. So it was a really interesting evolution. I started out, like I said, in large animal practice, which was a very physical job. It was long hours and a lot of weekends and after hours work. You know, we get called out at two o'clock in the morning in the pouring rain to go on to go and do a carving or see a you know, horse with colic. And so I absolutely loved it. You know, that was what I'd spent my whole life aiming for and training to do. Yeah. So and I've, I managed to travel with it. I worked here in Australia, but then over in the UK, I, I was able to work over there. And and so it was a really fantastic career. But of course, I guess what happened was then I started a family. And so then my my role at work changed and my perspective changed a little bit. So I started doing less farm work and I moved into small animal practice, which I then really loved. But I also have a real love of learning and, you know, I'm always looking for the next thing to learn and to master. And so I actually continued my studies and then ended up doing small animal medicine and specialising further into dermatology. So I guess I, I've always 
been keen to continue that education and growth. Mm-hmm. And I think the real tipping point was realising that, well, actually it was it was Christmas Day a few years ago and I was on call for work and I was called in to see three patients on Christmas morning and I had three little boys all under the age of five sitting at home opening presents without me mm. and actually that was really difficult. So it was a really clear moment that my priorities had changed and I didn't want to be at work. I wanted to be home with my family. And um, so my husband and I really sat down together and said, well, look, what are we going to do about it? Are you going to continue this work, which inherently comes with after hours and long hours, Mm. or are you going to start looking for something else? And so really that was the time that I started to let myself think, well, I don't have to do this one job for the rest of my life. It's actually okay to look at something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then what was that process like? So you've had the conversation with your husband and you then presumably start to explore, well, what else might I want to do? What was that process and time like for you? Do you remember? Well, look, it was really exciting actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess the other factor that came into it was at that time, as I said, three young kids, I had been always very physically active and very sporty throughout my childhood and 20s and and early 30s. But it was about that time where I signed up to do my first triathlon. Mm -hmm. And it was also something that I always wanted to do, but I didn't really have time when I was working full time as a vet. And so that was almost like I had to park that idea of doing triathlons until I had a bit more time to myself. And so once I wasn't working full time, but I was being a mum, I could do things like sit on a wind trainer or a treadmill. So basically, this was something that was mine as I was a mum as well. Mm-hmm. So once I started doing triathlon, of course, I started with a half Ironman event, which is quite a long one compared to some. What, what does that include? Because <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I just think it's going to be hard and long and hurt. Yeah, well, it's not a full Ironman. Um, it's a half Ironman. So what that entails is a 1.9-kilometre swim and then a 90-kilometre bike ride and then a 21-kilometre run. So holy cow! to give you some perspective, the first time I did it, it took me about five and a half hours to complete. So, yeah, look, I was really excited because I was getting fit, keeping fit and started in this new sort of athletic pursuit. And I guess so why I'm bringing this up is because I started to then use nutritional products that I hadn't hadn't really had exposure to before. So right. things like sports drinks and protein powders and protein bars and all these sort of things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I've always loved cooking and had a really strong interest in healthy eating. And all of a sudden I was starting in triathlon and I found a lot of the things that I was using in there in triathlon were very high in sugar or very processed. And so it was all really at at the same sort of time that I was looking for a career change that my triathlon sort of career, should we call it as well, started to take off. And then I started to see a gap in the market. It wasn't the only idea I had. So I have ended up going down that business path and I'm sure we'll get to that, but it wasn't the only idea I had. At the same time, the other idea was to have a cafe. And I look back now and I think of the two different business models. I wanted to have a beautiful, healthy, organic salad bar, lunch bar, which really where I'm in a a coastal town in Bustleton in Western Australia and there just wasn't there was a bit of a gap in that market as well so mm. 
now I look back and I think, thank goodness I'm not tired to a kitchen. And, <laughs> yep. and doing that every day, I'm so grateful. But that was something that I looked at at the same time. Yeah. So it sounds like that was a part of this process of inquiry was very much around your interests and things that you had always, you know, been either passionate about or, or interested in rather than looking at, you know, specific jobs that were available or I guess known things. Is that fair to say that it was very much an internal kind of process? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the way you put it like that, I mean, I look back and I think, well, it didn't ever cross my mind to buy a business that was already up and running or take on another job that was more suited. And, and, you know, I kind of, only now that you say that, I I guess I realised it, but I was just purely looking to create something new that was mine. Yeah. And I think that was the crux of it. I wanted something that was completely flexible that I could do on my terms that suited our family and gave me some sense of independence as well. It was it was just mine. Yeah. And I love that, the fact that you, what you were just saying is that you're looking to create something new that was mine. And that, that's what I think um, I find really fascinating is when people go through this kind of process of drawing from that for their inspiration of, of not just going with, oh, I just need something to plug the hole. Like I'm not going to do this job anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to jump yeah. to whatever the next thing is. Yeah. Which is almost the path of least resistance. And, and I could have done that. And I still could do that now if I think, oh, well, this is all too hard running a business. Yeah. I can go and plug a hole. Yeah. But I know within myself, I would never be satisfied with that. Mm. Um, I can recognize that I need that stimulation and that growth and the creativity that comes with you know, creating something new every day, whether it was the initial products at the start or whether now it's the marketing campaigns or or the events that we go to, all those different things. It's such a creative process, which I love. Yeah. And it's so, again, fascinating to me that it comes back to that level of self-awareness because for you, you mentioned earlier that you were always pretty goal-focused and that the perceived obstacles of the grades that you needed to get to get into um, the veterinary course and things like that, it was just like, well, that's just what I have to do. So I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get that thing. Yeah. And I think we can sometimes forget that we will always prioritise and find time, money, energy, resources for the things that actually are most important to us. And the fact that you are quite goal-driven I think lends itself really well to the being in business for yourself and being entrepreneurial. And then yeah. there's some people who that would be not inspiring and fun for them, that they actually thrive and really love being in an employee environment and having, you know, being part of a team for a much bigger business. And that's why for me, I think it's always interesting to, to start with that self-awareness of knowing yourself. What are you going to feel fulfilled and satisfied with rather than just doing what other people say you should or is a safe bet or whatever their, you know, stories and language might be? Yes, I completely agree. Um, one of the um, words you use then was should, what people yes. say you should. And this is a really big pet hate of mine. <laughs> yes. And I think you hear it all the way through your life, but you should think about doing this. You should think about that. Mm-hmm. Or, and especially when you start a new business, everyone's got an idea and you <laughs> should this and you should that. And a lot of my mistakes have come from me being swayed by what people say I should do. And so that's been a really big area of growth for me to be able to say, 
thank you. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to park that in my ideas box, but it's not something that I should take on right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting to observe that when you are creating some kind of change in your life, what that triggers in other people in your life, whether they're friends or family members, and then how you respond to that, what you let yourself take on and, and be limited by or what you're prepared to do as you did, which is sort of so, yeah, I hear you and I'm going to park that over there and I'm still going to make my own choice. Yes. And it's not to say that that's easy and I'm much better at it now. And I think early on when I was making changes in my career and, and you know, I was very comfortable with it most of the time. Sometimes I, I had a few wobbly moments and yeah. I actually really, I really miss being part of a team. I worked with a team of nurses, my bosses, and we had an awesome work environment. And actually to then come and sit in an office on my own was quite isolating. Yeah. So I, I actually really did miss that. But what I found when is when I was in that working environment, I was doing a lot of the, the practice management and the, the business planning for my boss. Uh, so he loved me he thought I was just an amazing employee because I do all the you know the procedures and protocols and management stuff that he didn't have time to do and I was just doing it on top of my normal work for fun so because you know how to have a good time yeah I know I love that stuff yeah so I knew that I had those skills I did miss that working environment but then stepping away from it um, as you say what it triggered in other people was fascinating Mm. and I and almost sat back with amusement just to see how people handled it. So my clients and my, you know, the vet clinic, my clients were lovely and they were mostly really sad that I was leaving and just sort of in disbelief, when are you coming back? Yeah, this is a break, right? <laughs> this is just a break, right? Um, my boss was very supportive and I, that was a really difficult conversation to have to tell him that I was leaving. You know, he's a friend. He was a mentor to me as well. And I got along with him really well. But because of all of those things, he was actually very understanding and he could see I was ready to go and try something else. Didn't stop him asking me to come back to work every time I saw him for the next two years. Um, <laughs> that, that was fine. And my, you know, my husband was hugely supportive every step of the way. So I've been very lucky there. But I think the next level of family found it quite threatening at times and yeah. I had questions like well when are you going back to your profession um <laughs> and but it's always there so you know if this doesn't work out you know you'll go back right <laughs> thanks for the support yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and so you know people not recognizing that working for myself in an office was an actual job as yes. well so people just assumed that I left work and was swanning around not doing anything for quite a long time. In your pyjamas all day. That's it. And then all <laughs> of a sudden I ended up with these products sitting on the shelves of shops and, you know, some of them are in coffee shops and so I'd be sitting having a coffee and they just think, wow, look at this life, you know. She's sort of, <laughs> this stuff's walking off the shelf. She sits there having coffee during the day. Life must be pretty easy. <laughs> it's all right for you. You don't have to work anymore. Oh. So, it, yeah, and so I had to get become really resilient about how I handled that because you can obviously get pretty annoyed or upset but I usually found it was a bit of a reflection of where they were at in their careers or you know what was going on with them yeah the ones that were stuck in the profession that felt it was so vital that they stayed there were the ones that were sort of assuming I would have to go back at some point so yeah yeah it was more a reflection of them yes than me yeah (laughs) and so what part if any did 
money and the financial situation play in your decision-making about how you made the transition? It's a good question. I like it, um, <laughs> but I'm not sure of the answer. Look, um, I think as a vet, to be honest, as a vet, the wages aren't great. And mm-hmm. so, for example, my husband and I, he's an engineer. We graduated from uni at the same time and we started on a very similar wage but it only took a few years before he was just leapfrogging ahead of me Mm -hmm. um and so I don't think that as as I stayed I I was just in an industry where you're a professional you're treated you know you're a doctor yes so you're revered as a doctor but you're not paid as one but everyone assumes that vets make this huge amount of money so there's this real discrepancy between what you're actually bringing home so really what I'm getting at was it wasn't that hard to work walk away from it because I was doing so much of my work for love not for money anyway Mm -hmm. and so in terms of creating a business I have this inherent belief that it will be successful and so therefore it will create money and the the reason I want it to be successful and have money is so that I can create independence yeah so I don't need money for myself per se. I have all the things that I need and as a family we have everything we have, you know, that we need. We've got a lovely home and and my husband has a full-time job. So that's all quite stable. So the only benefit for me to do all this work and create money is to to then for me to have something and like I said earlier on something for myself mm. that creates independence. And so then if that means that it can flow on to other family members or I can give back to sections of the community that I want to support, then I'm able to do that because it's mine and I have that choice and independence, you know, that financial freedom down the track. Yeah, great. I love it. And it's actually something that the reason I'm curious about it is because I've heard from so many people, particularly when I left my last corporate job, so many people that would say to me, oh God, you're so lucky. I I wish I could, you know, quit, but I can't afford it or I just don't believe that I could make the same money doing something else and just all the money stories that come up that are used completely as a handbrake to people making a change or even exploring what a change might look like. And I think that's where I'm kind of curious about the people that have done it and are on the other side to sort of see, you know, what are the common themes around beliefs around that or, you know, what shows up with how that plays out in people's choices that they make. Yeah, look, you know, I have no doubt that it's scary and you need to hold your nerve. I mean, financially, I'm in a worse position now than I was five years ago when I left my job, but I'm growing something. So I say, mm-hmm. as in, you know, literally cash in the bank, okay, yeah. because I've invested so much into yes. the business. Yeah. But of course, now I have this business that's growing that's become a thing. So then yes. that's a saleable asset as well. So, yeah. So in terms of cash flow, not as good as I was, but I do have the business that I've built in that time. But it's not, it's you know, it isn't easy and it isn't for everyone as well. I completely mm. acknowledge that because you really have to hold your nerve and it's uncomfortable and it can be quite painful to grow and to to be under that sort of financial pressure. And it's easy, you know, to go and say, well, look, I'm going to go and stack shelves at at the supermarket because there's no stress and I'm going to get a secure income that can be simpler but the rewards in running your own business and then when you do have those windfalls it's it's exceptionally exciting so yeah it's not easy and I don't know that it is for everybody but if 
the finance isn't the number one goal. I think if money was your number one goal, then it would be pretty terrifying. But if there's other reasons for doing what you're doing and then the, the money comes as a bonus, mm-hmm. as hopefully it would if you're doing everything else right, then it's to me it's easier to hold on to the reasons why you're doing it in the first place and really, like I said, hold your nerve. Through those tough times. Through the tough times, which, you know, come pretty thick and fast sometimes yes. <laughs> when, you're, when you're running a small business, let's yeah. be honest. Yes, yes. Mm. Internally from your own headspace as well as around you and, you know, family members, friends, things like that, and economy, all kinds of different things. So you've, you've got to, as you say, be able oh. to hold your nerve. That's it. You know, I've basically gone into a retail industry in one of the toughest retail markets that has been around for years. And I started a new product and grown in that when a lot of other retailers are contracting. So to do something different to other people has been challenging, terrifying and exciting all in one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Great cocktail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us about what it is that you're doing now. So it started, I guess, spending time in doing triathlons for yourself, started to consume some of these products that were kind of really not in line with the healthy eating and lifestyle that you had always cared about because of the high sugars and things like that. What next? So you saw this was a potential opportunity. What did you do? How did you make the the transition? Yeah, so I was using products, like you said, that were higher in sugar and, and it just didn't resonate with the way I would, you know, try and eat or the way I was trying to be healthy and um, in terms of exercise and nutrition. So I started initially, to be honest, I was just looking online to find products that I could purchase to use while I was out training Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find any in Australia. I found one in a US product and so I was buying that in from the US and the light bulb moment was just, if it's not here, why not? Surely I'm not the only person in Australia (laughs) that is looking for a healthy product and so Really, from there, I used all my science background from my vet degree and applied it to then sitting down and saying, well, right, what is the perfect formula for a sports drink? You know, what actually do we need? Yeah. And most importantly, what don't we need? You know, we don't need artificial colours. It doesn't need to be blue or red or anything like that to make it enticing. So I cut out all the rubbish that we don't need and really just simplified it to what's the best proven thing? And because of my science background, I was actually able to sift through a huge number of scientific articles and publications and studies that have been done and really find out what the latest science is. So I didn't have to rely on someone else's marketing or interpretation. Mm. So I was actually able to distill it down very quickly and say, well, look, we need this level of sugar. This is the carbohydrate mix that we actually need. These are the electrolytes we put in. Let's add some natural flavor. And all of a sudden I had this, what I thought was going to be the best sports drink ever in Australia. And really from then on, it was just, well, now I have to find someone who's going to make it. Now we have to put a label on it. Now we have to get it shipped to Bustleton. Now I need a website so that we can sell it. And you can just see from that initial idea, every day there was just one thing that I had to do to keep the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And so I just realized pretty quickly what the end result needed to be and then each day I just thought right today I need to organize a label who's going to design it who you know what are we going to do so I would shorten up my focus very quickly and then all of a sudden six months later ta-da, <laughs> we we launched so it took me six months essentially from the idea to create a website create products and launch 
Well, actually, it was five months, so in May of the first year. And from then on, that was five years ago, we've, we've been in business. Wow. So it's like it's literally your fifth year anniversary this month. We've just had it oh. uh, in, in May. And as you touched on earlier, how important it is to look back. And if I had seen five years ago, and we actually dug out some photos of our launch party and all the things we did and that yeah. orange jacket that I wore. <laughs> but we look back and now I think oh, we've done so much. You know, it was really fantastic just to stop and to like appreciate all the people through the journey or the athletes or the sponsors or the all the events and all the customers and, you know, all the people we've met along the way. And it's been a really fun month to look back and think, wow, we're, and now, now we're a thing. Like yes. we're actually a business that people know and buy from and repeat customers. And I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did this all happen? It's just here. Yeah. 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 So I sort of always am looking, thinking, oh, there's so much work to do. There's so much to get through today and there's so much coming ahead. But when I look back, I think, wow, we've done so much already. Yes. Awesome. So the products that you have now and the business that you have now, just give us a little snapshot of what what is it that you know people can buy from you? Who's it for? What does it do? Yeah, well, this is a really good point because basically we've created a sports drink, which anyone can use. But what we've chosen to do is specifically, I guess, get involved in the triathlon market because that's my passion and where I've come from. Mm. So rather than try to be everything to everyone. We are very triathlon focused, but of course with that comes swimmers, bikers, runners and those sort of associated endurance sports. So our products are seen by those people as the, the go-to product, in, especially in WA, I guess, yeah. and we're growing across Australia. But in WA, that's become a really nice niche market for us. And so, But having said that, the product can be used for any type of exercise. So anytime essentially you're exercising for more than an hour, it's helpful to use a sports drink. And so that replaces your energy and all your electrolytes. And so it's not limited to any particular sport, but that's the market where we are really focused on at the moment. Yeah. And then so we started with the sports drink and then very quickly people said, you should. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a protein. You should do this. You should, should, should. So we had this huge list of things that people <laughs> started wanting us to do. Mm -hmm. But the next product that we moved into, I say we, this is me. But, you you um, and all your split personalities. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> this is. I went back to my um, my product development team. and <laughs> Had a and, meeting with yourself. Yes, that's right. And so the next product that we developed was protein powders. And so, again, there's a huge amount of protein powders on the market in mm. Australia. And I did exactly the same thing. I, I just looked at it and said, well, what do you actually need in a protein powder? And what don't you need? So what you do need is a good serve of quality protein. It doesn't matter what source it comes from. It doesn't matter about all the other chemicals and supplements and and additives that they put in there to tell you it's going to bulk this and do that. You just need a good quality serve. And so because of that, we chose a vegan protein because I, I'm personally vegetarian and try to limit my dairy. And I know a lot of people have trouble digesting whey proteins, for example. Yeah. So we chose, you know, lactose-free vegan protein simply because it's easy to digest 
and very comfortable on your tummy and the difference is it will keep you fuller for longer. So all of a sudden we said, well, what do we need? We need a really simple protein. So we chose a pea protein, organic, and then we added either chocolate or vanilla flavors. So again, very simple. We didn't mm. put anything else in it. So they've literally got, you know, two ingredients in there. Right. So that's been a really nice addition to the sports drink. So basically people go out, exercise, use the sports drink. When they come home, they take a serve of protein to help their recovery. And again, we are really sitting in that triathlon and endurance sport market. But those sort of products can be used for anyone, whether they want to recover from exercise or even as a, you know, smoothie instead of having breakfast for a busy yep. mum. Yeah. So yep. there's a whole range. Great. Love it. And so you've got this range of products that all still fall under the core philosophy about um, including what the body does need and not including anything that you don't need yeah. and responding to market feedback, which I think is amazing when you're getting people saying, even though it falls into that should category, if they're, <laughs> they're requesting things from you that it's something they want and, again, it, it suggests there's a gap in the market. Yeah. In terms of where you're at now and when you look ahead of where you can see Bindi growing to, what sort of things are on the horizon for you? Yeah, so like I said, I, I listen to everybody. You know, I really love people's ideas and I just keep a big running list of, of ideas from other people. But I essentially distill it down to the things that, you know, it's a bit of a criteria, but they need to they need to be scientifically correct. You know, for me as mm -hmm. a scientist, I'm not ever going to make something that's not scientifically proven or it's going to work or going to be helpful. So things like the sports drink, we know that will improve your performance. We know that if you use recovery in that little that recovery window, you will recover better and be able to train better. So I guess that is one of the criteria. So the other things that we then have on our our hit list, and I've got a range of about three products that I want to line, roll out sort of in succession. But now there's not so much urgency. Obviously, we once we were started with the initial products, we really had to get them out and not just have one product because straight away, as soon as you've got one product, people want to buy the whole range. They do want more things. So for us, there's there's a sort of a, a nice progression of products. So there's a, a high carbohydrate mix, which is a very triathlon specific product. And then there's things like gels, which again is something that people use in endurance sport as a carbohydrate energy mm -hmm. source. And things like beetroot powder is really well proven to help your blood flow and oxygenation while you're exercising. And so, but they are very much niche products as well. So yeah. we've started with the, the more wide ranging ones. And so then as our company grows and we can do more R&D essentially, and more, you know, more product development, then I've got a nice list of products that we want to work through. Yeah, that you can play with. Nice. I like it. And so yeah. at this stage is the next level of growth that you're looking for is to expand, you know, beyond just the hub of WA into East Coast and across Australia. Is that the next frontier that you're facing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So five years of, of business, we've had an amazing ride and had really fantastic growth in WA and it's almost like it's been our case study for Australia mm, Yeah, <laughs> because there's been, we've done lots of things really well, but we've 
done lots of things that I look back and think, oh, that probably wasn't the best way to handle that or, you know, maybe I wouldn't do that again. So I've learnt so many lessons along the way. And so now, you know, like you say, it's really good to look back over five years and we can now really see what's worked. And so what we're trying to do is distill down those really core principles that work for our business and now we're taking them to the rest of Australia essentially and rolling them out. And so that means physically means getting on a plane and going to events around Australia and taking our product and saying, hey, look, here we are and um, now it's time to try this Western Australian product rather than whatever they may have been using before. And the really nice thing about it is that, of course, for them it's exciting because they're they're meeting us for the first time, but for us it's great because we've been doing it for five years now, whereas five years ago when I launched in WA, we just have – People come up and they, they they really had fun. They'd say things like, well, you know, why would I take your product? Why is it any better than X, Y, Z that I'm already <laughs> using? What's different about it? And, yeah. You know, some people would say to me, who do you think you are taking on those big oh! X, Y, Z companies? Yeah. <laughs> who do you think you are? And, you know, to be honest, my competitors are massive multinational companies. <laughs> yeah. So, so Belinda, you know, who do you think you are taking on these people? Who do I think I am? You know, I look, to be honest, I don't think about my competitors. I couldn't care less what they do half of the time because yep. I'm wholly solely focused on creating a fantastic product that I know suits the needs of my market. So while I'm doing that, I couldn't care less what yeah the big companies are doing and the more they get upset about me and get stressed about me and start doing things like and it's been really fun to watch how it's rattled some of the bigger companies when we go to events for example they'll put clauses into my contract saying no one is allowed to taste your product at our event because we are the sponsor of the overall event (laughs) and then they'll send their manager over to watch over our stall to make sure no one ever tastes our product which works really well for us because people go, oh, well, why is it so good that they won't let you in? They ban you from tasting it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been kind of fun and I can do things differently because I'm small. So when people come and say to me, look, this flavour is disgusting, I hate it, I can say, well, okay, why is that and what can we do to change it? Or, you know, I actually can take that feedback and I can take it immediately back to the factory or, you know, we've had – Things like some of the products, when they get heated, they can turn crunchy because they're a, you know, they don't have a whole lot of preservatives in them. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing we've mm-hmm. left out. So we can go back and tweak it batch by batch with the factory, which the big companies just aren't able to do. So yeah. I love that they're my competitors, but I also don't really take on board what they're doing as long as I'm doing the right Thing for my customers, then we're all fine. Yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. So when you think back through, I guess when you go, okay, so from being a 10-year-old and the decision that you made to pursue being a vet and then from being a vet and the changes within that and then transitioning into developing your own products and business, if you were to think back and go, is there anything that you wish that you knew back then at any stage that you think would have really helped you or just, I guess, anything that you wish that you knew that you didn't? Yeah, look, as a 10-year-old, actually I look back as a 10-year-old and I think I had quite, I was really thrilled, I'm really thrilled with how much insight I had as to how to get where I wanted to go. Yeah, nice. So 
as a kid, I'm just, I'm so happy. And maybe that came from my parents, but I'm so happy when I look back that I, even then I was able to choose something I wanted to do and do the steps that it took to get there. So it's probably as an adult that I have that self-awareness of what I actually do on a daily basis or what I have done to get to where I am now. So I've always had that self-belief that if I'm going to do something, you know, if I choose I'm going to do something, there's just a process to get there. You don't need to stress about will I, won't I. It's just a process. But I don't think I needed to teach myself that because I really had that quite inbuilt from a young age. Yeah. And and so that's something I use now very much. So, you know, today, what is the one thing I need to do today? So, and even in, in training, I have a coach for when I'm doing triathlon and we sit down together and create a whole month of training, but then I don't look at it again. I just literally put it all in my diary and I look each day, what do I need to do? Because the end result is I want to do an Ironman. So today that mm. means I need to go for, you know, a 12 kilometer run. So just trusting the process, knowing that you've thought about the end result and then all the steps that you might need to take along the way and then sort of forgetting about them and just doing the yeah. things that are right in front of you for that day and not stressing about the overall thing. I think those are those are really good things that have served me well as a child as and as an adult as well. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And what about if there's, because I'm sure that there will be someone listening who perhaps is on the cusp of feeling like whatever they're doing professionally now is either not serving them fully anymore, either they've outgrown it or there's just something else that, you know, is feeling like a bigger priority for them. Have you got any advice or tips for them if you when you think back to being in that in that zone what do you think might help someone if they're trying to decide what to do next or how to approach it Look just get started really mm-hmm. is it you just need to take the little steps and if you think about them too much they can be insurmountable because if I actually thought about the business I've got now back to five years ago, I like I just throw my hands up and go, there's no way I can do all of that, you know. Yeah. You just start and you do the little steps that get you going. And so if you're in a full-time job but you want to create something on the side, well, you go home and, you you know, you sit down and do it every night. You just get started. And even if that means setting up a business Facebook page but you don't send it out to everyone but you get going, it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay to try something out and even if it doesn't end up being your you know, your next full-time career, you're just practicing all those skills that you need to get going. So just starting, and I see that so much, people start to come to me now and say, hey, look, I want to, you know, I've got this beautiful jewellery that I make, but I just, oh, I don't know, how do I get going with selling it or do I set up a Facebook page or what do I do? And I just say, just let's start, like let's just get going. And once you take that first step, then the next one happens and the ball just gets rolling. So it's just the first steps and I think and and again I don't just use that in work but say every morning my alarm goes off pretty early in the mornings I like to either get up and work or go training early before the rest of the family gets up yeah what sort of time is that just out of interest it varies earliest is about half past four through till about half past five and it just gives me time this mine before everyone else is up but if my alarm goes off and I think, oh, I've got to go for a 50-kilometre bike ride and be back here and have kids' lunches made and then someone's got to go to orchestra, the other one's got to go to swim. If I actually thought all of those things, I would just press the snooze button and never get out of bed. <laughs> so my trick in the morning is I just, my eyes pop open and I think, 
just get a coffee. So again, I just think really short focus. Once I'm out of bed and I'm started on my day, because that's what I need, whatever you need, just, you know, do what you need. I just think just get a coffee. Once I'm standing up drinking a coffee, then then I get my cycling gear on and then I do the next step and, you know, yeah. you just get the ball rolling. And so I use that across all of my life as well. It's not just in business. You need to spend the time sitting down and looking at the overall picture. You must do that first. And, you know, I can even literally write it all out on a big sheet of paper and stick it up on the wall. So then when I walk past it, I do think, yeah, that's where we're going. You know, yeah. that's the end result. But just breaking it down every day so that they're just, like you say, they're actionable. Like it literally means, well, I have to finalise this design to get it to the printer today. And then, like you say, the next thing happens because all of a sudden the printers have sent the label to the factory. (laughs) So you have to work out freight because they've finished packing it. So, whoa, I have to sort out freight today. Yeah. You know, so those things just roll on. But I'm, I'm a big believer in the overall picture and taking time out of your business or your life. You know, again, I do that in... In my training, we do that as a family every year. We sit down and we work out, well, where do we want to spend our holiday time and what do we want to do? So we've all got something exciting to look forward to. And then I do that, yeah, in business as well. So across all the the aspects. And that's not for everyone. I mean, some people like to flow a bit more easily, Mm -hmm. but it's just my personality type and it's just served me so well over the years to turn out a huge amount of work and be highly productive and, and then that gives me a sense of achievement each day. Yeah. And look, I, I am a big believer in the concept of you being the CEO of brand you and there are all this sort of component parts of your life, but each one of them kind of relies on you developing the true growth and well being and sustainability of the brand of you. And that's where I think, you know, applying business principles to your family life and your holiday planning actually makes a lot of sense to me because if you want to kind of have the end result or the experience that that you want to have, then there's a certain amount of visioning and planning that have to happen so that you can then be more likely to have that result show up. So uh, again, not for everybody, but I think there's something different that kicks in when you, when you really step into that role of going, well, actually, this is my life and where I spend my time and my energy that's up to me to get into the driver's seat of. And I just feel like that's a much more empowered and positive kind of space to come from. It's very empowering. And it also makes life a lot simpler too, Mm. I think. Um, So then if I sit on my phone and think, oh, what's happening on Facebook today? And I think, well, that's not on my job list for today and it's consuming my time you know so it it makes it easier to decide where you're going to spend your time when I've got you know free time and how I want to spend it and the type of people I like to socialize with and I I sort of look to be honest I'm old enough to choose that wisely now as well so I think it works really well personal and professionally to be really mindful of the way you spend your time if you want to have that end result, which may may ultimately be just a really nice family holiday. You know, it might yeah. be that I'm doing all this so then I can enjoy a family holiday, which we had to plan because my husband needs to book his time off work and we also need enough money in the bank to do it. So yeah, really it all kind of culminates in that nice holiday perhaps, yeah. whatever, whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever the motivating end goal is. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Belinda, you are awesome. I'm so excited that we got to chat today and also that it uh, happened to be your five-year anniversary. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's a great milestone for you. And when you mentioned that, it made me think of last weekend, Mick and I went down to Ballarat where his 
family business is uh, they own a number of hardware stores and it was actually the 100 years anniversary <laughs> of their wow. the very first I think it was his great grandfather because they're now at four generations that have worked in the hardware store and it was actually amazing and a really emotional experience seeing the photos from when they first started. It was 1918 when the, the business first opened and, and, you know, everything was with horse and cart and all. It just mind-blowing to think back to that point where uh, his great-grandfather just had an entrepreneurial spark and they used to go to houses that had been abandoned and, you know, <laughs> get the timber and then on-sell them and whatever else they did. Yeah. But to see the photos and the journey and think about all of the decisions and the effort and energy that has gone into creating something, which, that's, as yeah. you said, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's outside of an individual person. It now exists and thinking about the number of people who have been employed and supported and, you know, builders and contractors that have used mm. the supplier to then create homes and just the ripple effect of a business entity creating a product or service that meets a need, which is exactly what you're doing. And that, mm. that as a business owner, you will probably never know the full ripple effect impact of your efforts and the people that are touched or lives are impacted in some way through your product and how you do what you do. And who knows, you know, 195 years from now, <laughs> yeah. there could be your great-great-grandchildren that are continuing to run Bindi. But wherever that goes for you, I'm just, I'm so pleased that I've had the chance to meet you and to chat with you again today. And I just want to say good on you for backing yourself and following your instinct as your priorities have changed to just follow what feels right for you and to create a product and service that people are loving. And I can't wait until it's Australian domination and then the world. <laughs> then the next step, yeah. <laughs> Look, it is, and that's a really good story because, you know, 100 years in business, obviously it's a huge time. Five years to me seems a huge time. Yes. But 100 years just to have that perspective and just to think, like you say, that ripple effect in the community around that business I mean it might have started with one person but mm. would have affected so many people along the way and I get so excited when people come up to me just at events or in the street or in town and just say I used your product on the weekend and I had the best race ever thank you oh. so much for creating this and it makes me so like I'm so overwhelmed I'm so thrilled when I hear that because alternatively before I launched it I used to just not sleep at night thinking what if someone uses it and it doesn't work or it doesn't it upsets mm -hmm. their tummy or all these things that I'm trying to create because they're trusting me and relying on me so I'm so grateful of their support and I and I can see that ripple effect and I just absolutely love it and that's one of the real reasons that I have the energy to keep going every day yeah but I think I, I just one of the things that I think are really important in terms of going back to just changing careers and what it means to step away from something that you may love or may not love but moving on is that it's 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 really good to not let any given career define you yeah and so it's very easy as a vet for example or any other profession or something that you've done for a long time to be defined and so you know I'd meet someone they say what do you do I'm a vet and it's almost like, oh, well, I know what type of person you are immediately. Yeah. And so I let that happen for a long time and it was easy and it never even crossed my mind. I was happy to be that person. 
But it was really interesting to start to let that go, like we were talking about. It was very challenging for other people and for me. And now, alternatively, I've become, rather than just one thing, a vet, I'm, you know, I'm a mum, I'm a triathlete, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, and I'm a whole range of things to other people. And I'm not defined by one thing. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about being in business for yourself is you can you can do all of those things. I'm a marketer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning about finances. You know, you do so many different things and that's really exciting. So to not pigeonhole yourself, it's okay. You can step away from one thing and take on other roles as well in life. And it might be that, you know, down the track, someone, you know, one of the big multinationals wants to come and buy me out and then I'll go off and do something else. You know, that yes. might happen too. Yeah. Now I know that it's okay and life goes on and you can change and grow, then, you know, what's the next thing? Like that's exciting too. Yeah. And that's such a great point. And I'm often talking about that, about, you know, where our identity can just overlap with what we do in our job or career. And that then the thought of not being that anymore somehow creates you know, that sense of loss of identity and mm. that's it's such a good point that what you actually do is different from who you are and that the, yes. the, those roles can change and you're still inherently you and this is just a different vehicle to express who you are at this time of life with these opportunities in front of you and that you might change and become a bus driver next week and that will be fun and who, who knows what where, where that will unfold and that'll be completely fine too that's yes. no, that's okay yeah. yeah yeah and to step into that that mindset I think is a really important place for anyone that's at that point of considering a transition of actually separating out the labeling mm. that they might be wearing that's it yes yeah, separate them out and don't let your role define you as a person You've got yeah. all these skills and abilities. You can apply them to whatever you want and that's separate to you. Having said that, my, my business name is Bindi and my nickname as a child was Bindi and that's how the name came about. And so now a lot of people don't even know my name as Belinda and so they'll just call me Bindi or <laughs> even Mrs. Bindi because yeah. I'm, I run Bindi so I'm the boss so I must be Mrs. Bindi. <laughs> and so... It's. I find it kind of funny because I just let. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what I get called really. But they kind of defining. Some people don't know that I was a vet. Yeah. Like a right. lot of people that I'm meeting in this new sphere don't even know that I'm a vet, and so they're surprised to hear that. Yeah. So the whole thing. It's. I just find it kind of amusing, really. But so again, I don't want to just end up being pigeonholed as Mrs. Bindi either. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry. Um, we've had plenty of examples where even Dick Smith could sell his business and that was entirely his actual name. So, you know, there is still a separation between the two (laughs) entities. Okay, I'll be fine then. Yeah, Yeah, you'll be fine. (laughs) Belinda, thank you so much. Now, if people want to find out more about your products and about Bindi, where should they go? How do they find out more? Yeah, so head to our website, bindinutrition.com.au, and we have loads of information. We have a really fun blog on there where we talk about all things nutrition as well. So that's the best place to find us. And on social media, we're active on Facebook and Instagram. Unreal. And if anyone has a store that they would love to stock your products, particularly in the east coast of Australia, please feel free to reach out to Blinda. Absolutely. We're always looking for new stores. We love having our products in stores as well as online. So we're always interested in people getting in touch with us and all our details are on the website. Awesome. Thank you so much, Belinda. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Chandra. It's been lovely to chat to you. 
thanks for listening to the Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.